0: Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and should not be relied upon for any investment, tax, or legal advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management, LLC may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This is Brent Foster. Today is December 12th, 2022. Stock slide on recession concerns. Recession fears and concerns that the Fed may consider a longer rate hike cycle since stocks lower for the week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped 2.77%, while the Standard & Poor's S&P 500 fell 3.37%. The NASDAQ Composite Index lost 3.99% for the week. The MSCI EFA Index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, dipped 1.09%. So what does that mean for the Dow? Well, the Dow closed out last week at 33,476. That's down 7.88% for the year. The NASDAQ closed just above 11,000 which is down 29.66% for the year. MSCI EFA index uh, closed at 1,961, which is down 16.03% for the year. And the S&P 500 closed at 3,934. That's down 17.45% for the year. It's been a rough year for equities. Uh, the treasury, let's see, 10-year treasury note closed at 3.57%. That's up 2.05% for the year. Uh, one-year treasury notes trading up 4.7% or so. The two years below that at about 4.4%. So keep that in mind. The night, I think even actually the six month is around 4.7. So uh, you can see that the yield curve is inverted, um, typically indicating a recession is to come or, uh, is, or we're already in one. So stocks slide. Stocks were under pressure much of the week due to resurgent recession fears and concerns that the Fed rate hikes may go higher for longer than current expectations. There was some good news last week on the economic front out of China, which started to loosen COVID restrictions, but it was a week where good news was considered bad news. And any signs of economic resilience stoked worries of longer rate hike cycle of of raising rates. Higher uh, higher continuing jobless claims signaled economic softness triggering Thursday's rally, but stocks uh, were under pressure Friday following a disappointing PPI number, producer price index number. So producer inflation disappoints. The labor department reported that the PPI rose 0.3% in November and 7.4% from a year ago. Though wholesale prices inflation rose at the slowest 12-month pace since May of 2021, it still exceeded market expectations. Price pressures were felt most in the services sector where costs rose 0.4% after a 0.1% increase the month before. Goods inflation eased to a rise of 0.1%, a sharp drop from its October gain of 0.6%. So what we're seeing is the rate of change is slowing. Uh, Though the PPI number dented the optimism around cooling inflation, November's PPI report represented an improvement from its 11.7% peak in March of 2022. So this week, key economic data, Tuesday, Consumer Price Index, Wednesday, the FOMC meeting announcements. So we'll be watching that closely with Jay Powell talking and and providing some uh, insights. Uh, Thursday, jobless claims, retail sales and uh, industrial production. Friday, the PMI composite or the purchasing managers index is released. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Notable companies reporting earnings. Thursday, got Adobe. Friday, Darden restaurants. And then here's a, a tax tip, traveling for work. Here's what you need to know about business related travel. Deductions. Uh, Business travel deductions are available when employees travel away from their tax home or principal place of work for business reasons. The travel period must be substantially longer than an ordinary day's work and a need for sleep or rest or meet the demands of the work while away. Some examples of deductible travel expenses include airlines, bus or train tickets or mileage rates to drive fare for taxes or other types of transportation between an airport to a hotel and from a hotel to a work location, baggage fees, lodging, dry cleaning or laundry. If you are self-employed, you can deduct your travel expenses using Schedule C, Form 1040 for those that don't know, profit or loss from business for sole proprietorships. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax professional. And this tip was adapted from irs.gov. News of the day, SEC charges Samuel Bankman Freed for alleged massive years-long fraud. The Securities and Exchange Commission announced they brought charges against Samuel Bankman Freed for allegedly violating the Securities Act and the Securities Exchange Act. The new charges came uh, in addition to the federal indictment Bankman Freed faces in New York. The former billionaire was re- arrested in the Bahamas on Tuesday, hours before federal prosecutors announced their indictment. Tuesday's SEC complaint alleges massive year long fraud. We allege that Sam Bankman Freed built a house of cards on a foundation of deception while telling investors that it was one. Of the safest buildings in crypto sec chair gary gensler said in a statement so uh, cnbc reported that uh, those charges were brought so did fox and ma- most major news outlets it looks like wire fraud conspiracy securities fraud securities fraud conspiracy and money laundering charges um couldn't land the ftx founder in prison for decades it's tied to alameda research as well um so we'll keep you posted on that risk perspective risk is a factor in any investment decision that you make your tolerance for risk is something that you'll want to consider when you make decisions alongside your trusted financial professional for example northbound wealth management your risk tolerance is balanced against your time horizon meaning the time between now and when you anticipate needing your money but is it possible to avoid a loss no not completely but you can take steps to manage that risk when investing. This is where conversations about your risk tolerance are critical. What would you rather have, $500 now or 50% chance at $2,000? Many people go for the $2,000 and rightfully so, since you have a 50-50 chance, a decision tree shows the $2,000 answer carries a potential value of $1,000. But let's add a few zeros and see if that changes your perspective. What would you rather have, $50,000 now or a 50% chance at $200,000? The decision tree on our website says, the opportunity to win $200,000 has the highest potential value. But in reality, many people second guess that decision because $50,000 is a lot of money. Remember, there is no correct answer to these questions. They just help you better understand the concept of risk. Investment risk can be managed but it can't be eliminated entirely. All investments carry some level of risk. And in general, the greater the risk an investment carries, the higher its potential return. Risks happen, but don't let it get in the way of your dreams. Ultimately, these concerns should only serve to inform you and the questions that you may ask the financial professional you're working with. The conversation should include your questions about risks for each strategy presented as well as questions from you're professional about the investment goals you want and the aspirations you hope to realize. If you have any questions on this topic, I'd be happy to answer those. You can reach northbound wealth management at 317-399-1107, 317-399-1107. Asset allocation If you live in or have visited a big city, you've probably run into street vendors, people who sell everything from hot dogs to umbrellas on the streets and sidewalks. Many of these entrepreneurs sell completely unrelated products such as coffee and ice cream. At first glance, this approach seems a bit odd, but it turns out to be quite clever. When the weather is cold, it's easier to sell hot cups of coffee. When the weather is hot, it's easier to sell ice cream. By selling both, vendors reduce the risk of losing money on any given day. So asset allocation applies the same concept to managing investment risk. Under this approach, investors divide their money among different asset classes such as stocks, bonds, and cash alternatives like money market accounts. These asset classes have different risk profiles and potential returns. The idea behind asset allocation is to offset any losses from one class with gains in another and thus reduce the overall risk of a portfolio. It's important to remember that asset allocation is approached to help manage investment risk. It does not guarantee against investment losses. So determining the most appropriate mix. The most appropriate asset allocation will depend on an individual situation, among other considerations. It may be determined by two broad factors, the first being time and the second being risk tolerance. Let's talk about time. Investors with longer time frames may be comfortable with investments that offer higher potential returns, but also carry a higher risk. A longer time frame may allow individuals to ride out the market's ups and downs. An investor with a shorter time frame may need to consider market volatility when evaluating various investment choices. So number two is risk tolerance. The an investor with higher risk tolerance may be more willing to accept greater market volatility in the pursuit of potential returns. An investor with a lower risk tolerance may be willing to forego some potential return in favor of investments that attempt to limit price swings. Asset allocation is a critical building block of investment portfolio creation. Having strong knowledge of the concept may help you in considering which investments may be appropriate for you in your long-term strategy. Rebalancing your portfolio. Everyone loves a winner. If an investment is successful, most people naturally want to stick with it but is that the best approach it may sound counterintuitive but it may be possible to have too much of a good thing over time the performance of different investments can shift a portfolio's intent and its risk profile it's a phenomenon sometimes referred to as risk creep and it happens when a portfolio has its risk profile shift over time when deciding how to allocate investments many start by taking into account their time horizon, risk tolerance, and specific goals. Next, individual investments are selected that pursue the overall objective. If all the investments selected had the same return, that balance, that allocation, would remain steady for a period of time, but if the investments have varying returns over time, the portfolio may bear little resemblance to its original allocation. How rebalancing works. Rebalancing is the process of restoring a portfolio to its original risk profile there are two ways to rebalance a portfolio. The first is to use new money. When adding money to a portfolio, allocate these new funds to those assets or asset classes that have fallen. For example, if bonds have fallen from 40% of a portfolio to 30%, consider purchasing enough bonds to return them to their original 40% allocation. Diversification is an investment principle designed to manage risk. However, diversification does not guarantee against a loss. The second way of rebalancing is to sell enough of the winners to buy more underperforming assets. Ironically, this type of rebalancing actually forces you to buy low and sell high. Periodically, rebalancing your portfolio to match your desired risk tolerance is a sound practice regardless of market conditions. One approach is to set a specific time each year to schedule an appointment to review your portfolio and determine if adjustments are appropriate. Shifting allocation. Over time, market conditions can change the risk profile of an investment portfolio. For example, imagine that on January 1st, 2010, an investor created a portfolio containing a mix of 50% bonds, 50% stocks. By January 1st, 2020, so 10 years later, if a portfolio were left untouched, the mix would have changed to 33% bonds and 67% stocks. So it's important to rebalance your portfolio on a periodic basis, especially when you have market dislocations. If you have a question about this topic, I would love to answer those questions for you. My name is Brent Foster, and this is Northbound Wealth Management. So you can give us a call at 317-399-1107, 317-399-1107, and we'll get those questions answered for you. Ensuring your business with a buy-sell agreement. Life insurance is designed to help protect a household from the financial hardships that may follow the untimely death of a primary wage earner. But how will a death affect a small business? One way of safeguarding a business is to create a buy-sell agreement. A buy-sell agreement is a contract between different entities within a corporation to buy out the interest of a deceased or disabled member. A buy-sell agreement also can protect the business from loss of revenue and cover the expense of finding and training and replacement. So what are the types of buy-sell agreements? There are two main types of buy-sell agreements commonly used by businesses. The first is a cross-purchase agreement. In a cross-purchase agreement, key employees have the opportunity to buy the ownership interest of a deceased or disabled key employee. Each key employee takes out a policy on each of the other key employees. Cross-purchase agreements tend to be used in smaller companies where there are not too many key employees to cover. And the second is a stock redemption agreement. Stock redemption agreements are formal agreements between all the key employees and the business itself under which the business agrees to purchase the stock of a deceased uh, key employees. Key employees agree to sell their shares to the company, often in exchange for a cash value. These agreements establish a market value for a key employee's share of the company. So funding a buy-sell agreement, there are, several options for funding a buy-sell agreement. Set aside funds. Money for a buy-sell agreement can be set aside as long as it is easily accessible. These funds may be kept for up to the life of the company and may present a temptation during fiscally tough times. The business owners must determine the appropriate amount needed to cover the cost of a buyout. The second is borrow the needed amount. A company can borrow enough to buy out a withdrawing key employee at the time of their death. However, the loss of the employee can often affect a company's ability to secure a loan and the payments become an added stress on the business during an already difficult time. The third is life insurance. Purchasing a life or disability policy in order to fund a buy-sell agreement is an option when preparing for the future. Using life insurance enables a buy-sell agreement to be funded with premium payments and attempts to ensure that the funds will be available when they are needed. Several factors will affect the cost and availability of life insurance, including age, health, and the type and amount of insurance purchased. Life insurance policies have expenses, including mortality and other charges, If a policy is surrendered prematurely, the policyholder also may pay surrender charges and have tax implications. You should consider determining whether you are insurable before implementing a strategy involving life insurance. Any guarantees associated with a policy are dependent on the ability of the issuing insurance company to continue making claim payments. If you have questions about this topic, I'd be happy to answer them. Just reach out to us at Northbound Wealth Management 317-399-1107, 317-399-1107. 317 1107 317 1107